You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Steps, he fires. It is Landon Collins for the fourth straight game. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Cranky Fan? What up, Grump? I was just checking flights for playoff games. Oh, never mind. Just kidding. Checking flights for pitchers and catchers. Yeah, I was actually checking flights for the draft. I think it's in uh, – where did I see it was going to be this year? Somewhere so fun. Stupid, oh, uh, AT&T Stadium, Dallas. It's in Dallas, right? Yeah, of course. Is it really fun? Isn't that stadium in the middle of nowhere? You were there. I was not there. I was not at AT&T Stadium. You didn't go with me, right? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I get all my trips confused. Uh, it is. It's kind of like in the middle of Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, downtown Dallas and downtown Fort Worth are fun. Downtown Arlington has a what kind of place was that? A Denny's, like a like like a an Asian fusion rock and roll Chinese place. That was about the most exciting part of Arlington. And that sounds awesome, so. but I mean, you know, Chicago. That was like you know, that was like right there. That was like in you know, it was outside. That's so cool. I, I really like that they did that. Philly was cool, like going up the, the rocky steps. That was pretty good. Yeah, I, this one just seems like uh, Jerry Jones begged and pleaded. Yeah, and he might not even be the owner by the time the draft happens, too. With the uh, the latest news, we're we're taping this on a Wednesday night for Friday morning. Um, you know, uh, listening, but listening. Uh, the latest news is that they the NFL has filed something against Jerry Jones, saying he's is actions are detrimental to the league so who knows where that's going to end up you know it could be a a Donald Donald Sterling situation you know we're not sure that's really really hard to imagine isn't it I mean I'm not saying it won't happen I'm just saying you know Jerry Jones is such a not just like a powerful figure in the league but just a yeah but you know he's always he's always been somebody you know not as out there as an Al Davis but he's a guy who brokered like the adidas deal i think about 10 15 years ago separate from the league now, he's the guy that set up uh sports serve i think it is with the yankees so he kind of does like his own uh concessions outside of the league so he's always been you know kind of a me first guy and now let's face it the guy's in his mid 70s and he's getting a little weird so maybe <laughs> he's just sick and he's a little sick and tired of the nonsense I mean, who knows you know, a lot of people get really bent out of shape about Jerry Jones. I just don't care, you know? Well, I, I think actually I will take Jerry – as a Giant fan, I will take Jerry Jones as my owner because he thinks he's a GM. And the facts are ever since Jerry Johnson left the Cowboys, they haven't won dick. Where have they oh, won? Yeah, two yeah. Play, they've won two playoff games in the last 25 Decade? years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think they've won like two. And, you know – they're a team with all the money in the world, and they keep hiring retreads, and never has been, never will be for head coaches. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, so the fear someday is some, you know, Mark Cuban type guy with fu money buys that team, and all of a sudden puts all the resources to use. So, yeah, be happy what you have now, Giant fans. Yeah. 
it could potentially could get a sleeping giant could be awoken at some point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've always felt that way. Jerry Jones to me was more somebody to laugh at. I mean, yeah, people people usually get really annoyed by him, but for me, I, I just you know what inept thing is he going to do now? Yeah. So on to Sunday. <laughs> yeah, week 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 ten approaches. Uh, Kansas City at six and three is coming to MetLife Stadium at one o'clock to face the one and eight New York Giants. Never thought I'd say that. Um, Kansas City's a really good team. However, you know, if the Giants were somewhat competitive, I'd be compelled to point out that while they started the season off on fire, they've lost three of their last four. You know, Andy Reid to me is a guy who's really smart. You know, he's really good at uh, putting creative pieces together, making creative offense and exploiting things. But he's also not a guy that I've ever noticed changing things midway through the season or midway through a game. So it's sort of that thing of like once you figure it out, you might have you might have won because he's not really good at adapting. And the terrible clock management and the terrible in-game decisions too. So yeah, It all compounds. So it, that might be that the league has caught on to whatever they've been exploiting earlier on. I mean they – you know, I, I know week one is very rarely indicative of anything, but they blew out New England right off the bat. That was surprising. It wasn't just the matter that they won. It was it was how handily they took care of New England. And they, that's, that's spiraled for a while. But like I said, three of the last four, they've lost to Dallas. They lost to Oakland, a crucial division game. You know, the only win of those last four games was against a hapless Denver team that even this group of idiots has beaten. And and even uh, <laughs> and even Oakland and Dallas are kind of shells of what they were so, yeah. too, so... Yeah, so I'd, I'd feel compelled to point that out and say that there was hope here if this was even a competitive Giants team, but it's not. Um, <laughs> Alas, no. Yeah, yeah. Move, moving on from that. <laughs> um, there there are some um, some injury concerns, and when I say concerns, I mean you know beyond this season or sustaining injury problems and I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the most important i believe he's already been ruled out for sunday and like you said earlier this is a wednesday taping but justin Pugh, uh back issue is starting to scare me a little bit he's a very crucial free agent and i would hope that he would be resigned and be a part of their plans for the future but i'm, I'm getting a little worried about that it's not the right time in his career to have a back issue yeah. and you're right we are I'm kind of concerned too. It might make a decision on what to do about him, maybe a little simpler. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the last thing this team needs is its most dependable, most versatile, and, and quite frankly, best offensive lineman to not be resigned because he's got an injury bug issue. Not yeah. that I'm saying it would be the wrong decision. I'm just saying it's the last thing this team needs. Well, no, the last thing this team needs is to sign to a big contract, and all of a sudden he's out, yeah. and then we're we're on the hook. I mean, I. I mean, I'm not sure. You probably know the rules better than I do on, let's say he signs a four-year deal and he has to medically retire after one year because of something. Are we on the hook for three more years or does that get wiped off the books? I think it's all dependent on how the contract is structured. It, depending on the severity of the injury, like if it's like waived with an injury settlement, I believe the mm -hmm. settlement plays into it. Like it's sort of settled outside of the contract. Mm-hmm. But that's something that you never really hear about an injury settlement on a marquee player like that. That's usually your fringe roster guy anyway. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. 
So that's an interesting one. Um, well, just looking at the entire injury list for this week, I mean, we have four linebackers that are on it. You know, just it's it's a who's who of you know who's remaining on the Giants that are all on the list at some point. Yeah, and the, there's two others that I'm really worried about. You know, there there's some limited pra- limited practice guys on the injury report, like DJ Fluker, JPP, Dalvin Tomlinson, Devon Kennard, Calvin Munson, Dante Dion. Those guys I'm not as worried about because they were limited. And this is a lost season, so if they were doing anything, then I'm okay with it. But I'm starting to get worried about BJ Goodson too. We haven't seen mm-hmm. him play in forever. And this guy I know. is supposed to be like the Antonio Pierce of the future for this team. And he looked good in the beginning of the season. He looked pretty good. But doesn't matter if you don't look like you anything on, if you're not on the field. If you can't get on the field, what good is it? You're right. So definitely a concern. And and snacks. Uh, that didn't look good with him getting carted to the locker room. He also did not practice, but I also didn't hear anything like you know broken leg or you know torn anything. So I'm assuming it's just a very bad sprain. Without him in the middle, then this <laughs> what what does this defense have his hang hang its hat on without him? I mean nothing. You have a you have a secondary that's you know given up. We have quitters out there. You know uh, we. The only thing we can kind of hang our head on is, well, you couldn't really run up the middle against this team. But now, now you know, yeah. now, geez, <laughs> come on down. Yeah. And Kansas City coming up their bye, I believe their injury report is clean. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, right? Wonderful. So a team with every a team with everything to play for against a team with nothing to play for. <laughs> this might – I guess what's the over-under that Grump and I are on the train by – Three o'clock. I mean, <laughs> what's the over under that we're drunk before kickoff? For those you want to meet the grump and the cranky fan, we will be at the Jameson room <laughs> about eleven thirty on Sunday morning. Yes. So. and by eleven forty five, we'll be slurring our speech. So yes, we come, er- to get come early if you really want to take a picture with us with smiles on our faces <laughs> instead of like confused, <laughs> bewildered looks. <laughs> Here's something really interesting. Um, it came out today, Wednesday, that Ben McAdoo held a meeting with the players that was, quote, brutally honest. What do you think that means? Well, I think it could go one or two ways. I think it could go that I'm being brutally honest, that, you know, I have not been coaching the way I should be. I have not, you know, I have not clicked with this team. I have not connected or resonated with my, you know, my corny poem readings and my selective use of uh, punishment and reprimanding, or he could have just lashed out at this team and just said, you guys, and I don't need to call anybody my name, or maybe he did said, you guys are a bunch of quitters and you need to be professionals or it might've been something in the middle. Well, I mean, I don't think it's that one because it was, it was described as being an open forum and everyone was involved in the conversation. So the idea that it's him calling out the quitters and sort oh. of pointing the blame at them. It doesn't, that doesn't seem like the way it was described to me. And, and Dominique Rogers Camardi said that, you know, people as players to other players were pointing things out. Well, I was, I was about to say that also, that maybe it wasn't necessarily McAdoo was the one who calling out the quitters. Maybe it was leadership on this team calling out the quitters. Now that would be really interesting to me to see if, Dominic Rogers Camardi emerges as a, a leader in the secondary. As guys, I've pretty much written off 
for being on the team next year. Yeah, well, you know something. Uh, your resume and your tape doesn't mean just what's on the field; it may be off the field as well. You know, but, I mean, who, what coach in the locker room is going to be, who, who's witnessed that is going to be on the team next year? I mean, Spags' well, position is certainly not guaranteed. I think your reputation. You know, these guys might go to other teams. You know, Spags might end up somewhere else, or some other coaches somewhere else, and you know. You want to be labeled as a guy who's a leader and, you know, something, a reputation around that league grows really quickly. And if someone like DRC emerges during this and shows leadership skills, people are going to notice that. Fair enough. I'm wondering, and this is probably not true and a little bit radical, but I'm wondering if the brutally honest meeting was, hey, I had a meeting with the owners. I'm not going to be your coach next year, but now it's time for you to play for you, not for me. Um, my fate yeah. sealed. You guys are the ones who have everything to play for now. So then you, you lose ninety. Then you lose ninety-seven. Nothing. Think so? <laughs> you need yes, because that's why we have coaches. Coaches need to get guys to play at their maximum potential because players will just play for themselves. And if you have, you know, eleven people on the side playing for themselves, you have nobody playing as a unit or a team. We will get our asses kicked to historic proportions. So. There's no way he said that. Okay. Yeah. I, I still think the chances of us getting our asses kicked to historic proportion is completely on the table. Oh, sure. But that would guarantee it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I, you know, it's just an odd And thought. also, yeah. And also, why would you tell, why would you tell your coach you're not going to be back next? Why would you say it to the public, you know, in a written statement, they were not doing anything this year, but tell the coach he's gone. And why would the coach... You know, a, a young, inexperienced coach tell him that to crush him for the rest of the year. I mean, is he going to put that extra hour or two in, in film study or is he going to completely be a professional? I, I don't think so. So well, I, notion, I don't think the notion that he is, you know, not suited for the calm and suited better for the storm and that he's not thinking about it. That's baloney. I mean, there's no way in hell oh. this guy isn't thinking that. Do I have a job next year? You know, it's just. It's just not true. And he can say it and, you know, maybe that's the right answer for the public. But we all yep. know this, right? When he goes home at night, he knows he, he's thinking about the fact that he may not have a job next year. Right? I mean, like. Uh, I think you're so immersed in your job. I mean, I, I, I think maybe right before the eyelids touch when he falls asleep, you might think about it. But I don't think it's something that consumes him like, you know, we think about it as fans or, you know, the media thinks about it for a story. I think I think these guys are so. I mean, again, this, this is a job that takes eighty, ninety hours a week. No, I, I understand there's, that. There, yeah, there's there's no time to even think about things like that. So, I don't think he's. I don't think he's thinking about it. I don't think he's even. I don't think he's even thinking about it in passing. Well, I mean, I I, I also I also think the competitor is saying, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to get another chance because if I didn't have all these guys on injured reserve and, you know, this happened and that happened. And I also won 11 games last year. So, I mean, I get all that. But what I'm saying is, you know, I don't even care if it takes 80 or 90 hours a week for him to prepare and do his job. The fact is, is that every single press conference he holds, he's being asked about things like there's no way he's not thinking about it. It's every single press conference. It's it's everywhere is Ben McAdoo. And by I mean everywhere, I mean outside of New York. It's so what does that mean then? News. So so you think, you think he's distracted by his job because of the, no, the, just saying the, the chatter idea. or you think? I don't know, distracted, maybe not. I, but the the idea that he's not thinking about it is ludicrous to me. 
It's, it is on his mind. He does know what's going yeah. on. Oh, I'm sure he feels pressure to because this team is one and eight. Yeah. I think any coach that's one and eight has to worry about you know getting smoked in, in any moment. Yeah, I. I... But what, I mean, like, is that it, is that impacting anything? That's the question. I think I don't know. that's 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 the question that needs to be asked by the media. Not do you think about it? It's. Is this impacting your ability to prepare? Well, let me ask you this. If he gets fired as the head coach, does he have a job somewhere else next year doing something else? Yes. He'll get a job somewhere. As what? Not as a head coach, but he might get one as a coordinator. He might get one as a – think of guys like Nolan, who was the coach of the 49ers. When he got fired, he dropped down to like a, a – I think a line coach. Uh, think of uh, – uh, Del Rio, when he got fired from Jacksonville, he ended up as a line coach somewhere. I mean, him, sometimes coaches fall, you know, the guys like Wade Phillips and Norv Turner, they go right to a coordinator job, and then they work their way back. Other guys like Tice, remember him? Mm-hmm. Mike Tice, he dropped down to like an offensive line coach. I so, can see McAdoo he, dropping down to a tight ends coach or a um, quarterback's coach, but I, I don't even see the precedent for him to be an offensive coordinator. I mean, if you look at it, he hasn't had much success. He was an offensive coordinator for one year as his sole position in which they did really well. Um, and then the last two years, he's been a head coach and offensive coordinator where the offense has done jack shit. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you were a team just thinking selfishly about yourself, I mean, how high on his, your interview list is this guy? Uh, I mean, I, I could there's also, there's also supply and demand. There's only X amount of coordinators out there who are really qualified for the job. I mean, he was offensive coordinator for you know three years. He was, you know, under Mike McCarthy for a, a long time. So he does have, you know, somebody will give him another shot in in this league. Yes, but I like I said, I can more see him dropping down to quarterbacks or tight ends coach than I can, oh, straight to offensive coordinator. That would be surprising to me. He'd yeah, have to, I, he'd have to I, really I, win I think in the would, interview. I agree. I think he would take a two-step drop and, and have the potential to work his way back up again. I, I agree with you with that. Yeah, because guys like Wade Phillips that fall down from head coach to defensive coordinator, they were a defensive coordinator with successful defenses for years before they were mm-hmm. a head coach. And even then when yeah. they were a head coach, they they weren't this bad. I mean, like, I don't know. But McAdoo, remember the McAdoo's, not, is he even 40? No. I think Eli right, Manning so is he, older than him. So he's super young. Yes. So, you know, I think you also get – you're also buying potential too. Now, he's also burnt a lot of his potential, you know, by, you know, what's been shown on the field. Um, but somebody will take a shot on him. Somebody that, you know, likes a little bit of the background, doesn't want to spend a whole lot of money. There's no chance he goes to college, is there? He has no background in college. I mean, a lot of the guys who go back to college kind of work their way up through college. And I, I don't, you know. Does he know the first thing about recruiting? Does he have any ties with anybody? Oh, I no, don't mean as a head coach. I, you know, I mean as offensive coordinator in college. No, no chance of that. I, I, if he's going back to college, it might be. Now, I could possibly see him being a head coach of a, a non-power five school, like something like a, you know, like like a Houston or something like that, or Tulane, something where. You know, that is a draw to some recruits. If you're not getting top tier recruits, hey, at least this guy coached in the NFL before. I mean, that's, you know, look at a guy like Lane Kiffin, where now he's coaching at FIU. You know, no, I mean, we laugh because he's a joke, but you know something? 
schools like that like having a pedigree of somebody who's a you know a a coach at Oakland, a coach at USC, a coach at Tennessee. They like the names. Okay. Do you think that this meeting was productive? And do you think that? Well, I mean, I think this goes without saying. Do you think it would have been better if this meeting were held much earlier in the season? Well, I think everything is too late now. I mean, if you're trying to salvage this season, it's too late. Is if he's trying to if he's trying to salvage relationships because somewhere down the road in the NFL we're going to be working together in some capacity, maybe. Uh, again, we don't know what was said in the meeting. So, if it was him actually having a kumbaya moment and trying to connect with his team, that might help down the road. If it's him saying, "I'm going to be very honest, you guys are a bunch of jakes," no, I don't think it helped at all. So. What do you think if it if it's if it was an open forum where players were all discussing who was and wasn't performing and who was and wasn't giving a hundred percent effort, where the mistakes were? Do you think it was productive? Um. Well, it, you know, the other thing that could be an open forum was the interaction between the coach and the players too. Yeah. So, um, for the rest of this, again, if we're looking at just the rest of the season. Probably doesn't make that much of a difference because this season's over, but. You can't fire all the players, and these guys are going to have to play together. You know, majority, the nucleus of this team will be back next year. And maybe it helps to define who the leaders are and who really needs to be weeded out. So it could potentially have a long-term, you know, positive. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I will say I'm glad it was held because even if it wasn't productive, it was some sort of attempt at – preventing this from being a complete dump, dumpster fire. Um, you know, it might have been it might have been one of the requirements handed down by the, you know, the by ownership in response or in quid pro quo for that statement going out that he's not being fired or an assurance he's not being fired the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, getting fired in the middle of the year is pretty embarrassing. Yeah, but it also doesn't solve much, I don't think. I've never seen much of a point in that unless you got to get a unless you want to get a cancer away from your team as yeah, fast as possible. Unless unless somebody is truly detrimental to your team, right? And if you have a complete mutiny of your players, you know, maybe that's the reason you get rid of someone immediately. You know, uh, what's really uh, interesting it was uh, last year when Jeff Fisher was fired from the Rams. There was something really weird about the timing of it, where like it was announced like three weeks after he already knew he was gone, or some weird shit like that. There was something weird about it, yeah. And remember, too, when things become public are way after the fact that things when actually are happening. Yeah. You know, people get fired way before the public knows about it. You know, people, though, trades happen way before we know about it. Guys getting released happen way before the public knows about it. You know, we're in an era now when we have the Adam Schefters of the world who are more connected than ever before and through the power of social media – can get the word out a lot faster than waiting for the 6 p.m. Sports Center update or anything. But again, by the time that these guys find out, it's usually in a controlled way where it's leaked to them. So, you know, after after everything has already happened. So, I guess that my thing is to answer you kind of your question. You know, is it too late? You know, at this point, he's a guy who probably, like you said, figures his job is probably on the line. He needs to do anything he can and. No, maybe he thought this would help. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, don't you think a, a better leader of men would have held this shit, you know, week three, week four? 
Well, you know, Tom Coughlin waited how long before he had his little leadership conference too, you know, a committee. That was something where after a whole season of ugliness happened and they he developed it, we, we sense that there was, you know, a growing, uh, you know, chasm between him and the players. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, leader of men is a very harsh thing to say from a guy who's only been a head coach for a year and change and is still very, very young and inexperienced in the league. I guess so. I think I think leadership is a quality you possess or you don't. It's not really something you develop. I mean, you can develop it, but I, the the, the Le- core of it is just something you have. Yeah, but I think it's leadership plus experience too. You know, I'm not I'm not forgiving the state of the Giants because he's a young coach and a young guy. But you know, I I think some things you kind of have to live through, and this has been his first as bad as this year has been. It's also been his first unsuccessful year as a head coach. Small sample size, but you know he's never had to go through. I'm serious. I mean, the success. It's just a of funny Packers, stat. That's a funny stat. It's the truth. I mean, think about it. Also, I mean, his run with the Packers very successful. You know, as a member of that team, they didn't have very many one and eight teams on those Packer teams. No, no. So Fair. this is the first time in his professional career he's had to deal with, you know, not even substandard, but just god awful. Yeah, you know what I was thinking about. Uh, I was thinking a lot about Landon Collins. Uh, and here's a dude who played on like premier high school team, played at Alabama. This is definitely the worst team he's ever been a part of. That's got to be sure. so sobering. Sure. I mean, when you think of a guy who graduated from Alabama, is it potentially probably in his life as, you know, since he was nine years in ninth grade, he's probably lost two games. Yeah, he, he's and lost less games uh, in his life up to this point than he's already lost this year. I mean, you're right. That's a, I mean, that's not an easy thing to to experience and to handle. And maybe some guys can't handle it. Maybe those are the guys you want on your team, guys who can't handle losing. You know, you think Michael Jordan would, would how do you think he would be if he was on a team like this? Fucking head would explode. Yeah. Or someone, or Kobe Bryant, or someone who's just that, you know, will do anything it takes to win type of guy. It's a good point. I mean, football doesn't really operate on basketball terms, but but it's I mean? being being such an intense competitor. Where no, you know, I get you. How would I mean? Okay, let's have a guy like Tom Brady. Yeah, you sure. know how would you know you stick him on a team for some reason? And I get the the dynamic of how the quarterback is so influential. But let's say he was on a team, you know, for whatever reason, the Patriots were you know two and eight right now. I don't we don't know how he'd react. Has he even had a losing season? I don't even think he's had an eight and eight season. I don't think he has, and even the year that he uh, was hurt, Matt Castle led know, them to. I think they were like ten and six or something. And like they that. didn't make the playoffs, but they were ten and six. Yeah. So I, you know, Michigan was, you know. Oh well, yeah, but I mean, I meant well, just New England. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you got to put that in, in relative terms, like you know, a, a four loss team in college is basically like a losing record in the NFL. Yeah. If you're a power five team, you know, that's trying to compete in year in year out. It's just a funny thing to think about. Um, there are some things I'm going to be looking at on Sunday. Just going to throw this out there. Um, I highlighted last time, three giants, rookie, not rookies, but, uh, guys on rookie contracts. Um, and they were Eric flowers, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. I'm going to make it a point to really watch them. Yeah, why not? (laughs) I mean, mean, they're they're, they're the future, I guess. I mean, I'm going to include Eric Flowers in that as well because 
He's going to be back year. next yeah, year. Definitely. So, so we're looking at, you know, six more games this year and 16 next year. For sure. And then after that, it's it, he has a potential fifth option, mm-hmm. um, which will be cheap in comparison to whatever deal they're able to sign him for, probably. Player or team option? Uh, what? Is that a player option or a team option? Team option. is a, As a first-round pick, Okay. He, he has a fifth-year option built into – the, the way the CBA allows the contracts to be structured for rookies. In any case, you know, Eric Flowers is somebody that we've watched since the beginning of his time with the Giants and since the beginning of this year grow and get better. Evan Ingram is somebody that we've watched. He came in with a ton of criticism about how, how he can't block. It wasn't even a debate. It was he can't block. That's what the yeah, criticism but, but let's, let's, without let's any be proof. Honest. Let's be honest about that criticism. Eight out of ten people who are criticizing – were people calling up Francesa who'd never seen him play ever, and you know probably read three lines about him in draft previews. So, I, I you know I think a lot of that criticism was kind of uninformed and just why didn't we get uh, OJ Howard yeah. when we well, had the chance? Well, so. Regardless of whether he could or couldn't, the fact is that he didn't do much of it at Old Miss, so we knew it was going to be something he would have to work on anyway. Mm-hmm. But. We've watched him develop as a blocker and become probably our best blocking tight end now is like him and Rhett Ellison are both pretty much equal, I would say. Uh, You know, he's definitely someone I'm going to zero in on his all-around game. Mm -hmm. And um, Sterling Shepard is a guy who – it's kind of amazing that last year was his rookie year. He was so good, so good. It seems like he's been around for six, seven years. It does. Yeah. (laughs) He reminds didn't he play with Mario Manningham, didn't he? <laughs> uh, yeah. He actually reminds me of Steve Smith in his rookie year. Like, you know, oh, good was, one. his rookie year, Steve Smith did not look like a rookie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, you're talking about a guy who was not a starter, but like the third wide receiver on a Super Bowl team. Right. And had some crucial first down plays in his first year in a Super Bowl. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it seems like most of Ingram's catches are quote unquote crucial or key. You know, third down, big catch. Yeah. You know, move the chains, big catch. So, those, you know, those three guys, I'm going to continue to zero in on. Uh, I got one for you. Go for it. I'm gonna, I'm going to be uh, King and Rojas the kicker. Yeah, because yeah. you know something. You know, it, the inconsistency. Remember how the game started. Kick the ball out of bounds. Yeah, what the? F- that's <laughs> that's when you know you're a one in eighteen when you're starting off like that. You know, he drained those two kicks, but then he missed a thirty-eight yarder, thirty-seven yarder. Yeah, he, it's just the yeah. moment you feel like you're getting some momentum with the guy. You know, he, he craps up a lung. Yeah, and the the two he hit were not easy. They were forty plus, I believe. Over forty-five was one. The other one was mm-hmm. like I think forty-four. They were off to the side, and then. The 30-yarder, 35-yarder dead center was wide right away. I mean, you could see it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, this is a team that's so challenged on offense right now that they need to score when they can score. And they need all the points they can get. So He's definitely someone who's – I mean, I think this is pretty typical of uh, the Giants. I don't know about every team, but they, they tend to bring in a kicker and a punter every year to just compete with what you got. Um. And we did. We did in training camp. It was a good competition. Yeah. And, you know, and it just kind of unfortunately hasn't panned out. Let's see if the Giants draft uh, Eddie Pinheiro. 
Well, no, let's hope Eddie Pinheiro stays for a senior year. Let's not get crazy with ourselves. We need that guy back badly next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is pretty much it. What do you what do you have for a prediction for this game? How bad is it gonna be? In the words of Clubber Lang, prediction? Pain. <laughs> <laughs> I predict we're gonna make it to the third quarter. I think we should put a twenty one point rule in effect because uh, what's the weather supposed to be like Sunday? Because I'm right now in freezing Indiana. I don't know what the weather's like in New York. It's gonna be fifty degrees, not very sunny, no chance of rain, you know. I guess it's it's at least ideal for us. I don't have to sit in the fucking rain to watch this team team lose again. That's for me. That's a plus. I can be drunk and dry instead of drunk and soaked. I'm gonna go with uh, forty two seventeen. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, thirty eight twenty one, and I'm gonna predict some garbage time points there, just like last week. Uh, My second prediction is, or question, because you know, prediction or question. Will Davis Webb be activated? And if so, will he see some garbage time? Mm, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? You think no. they're just going to keep on, keep him on the shelf? He, I mean, I don't see any indication that anything's going to change with that. Um, I do think that he'll be the number two guy next year, but mm-hmm. I think. I think they're bringing him along nice and slow, and they're what they're not going to do is let this season do anything at all to stunt the future. They're, they, if this is how this season's going to be, then they might as well quarantine it to this season and not, you know, put him well, out there and have him running for his life. If, if that's the case, I would make up some fake injury and put him in IR for the rest of the year, not even be exposed to this coaching staff anymore. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If we want to get rid of the stink, well, I, I mean, why? Say, if he's, if he's, is it like who are you going to sign in this place? But if if you're doing it to get him away from the coaches, then okay, that makes sense. That might be a sign <laughs> your coaching staff will not be back next year. Yeah, yeah <laughs> when your future when your, when your third round pick is potential third round pick, they just tell them to go away because we don't want the coaches to infect you. <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, your 2017 New York Football Giants. <laughs> Friday morning. I hope you are listening to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, I hope you're still listening to us Tuesday morning. <laughs> I hope I you're hope still. So. <laughs> I think I hope we're still coming at you uh, Tuesday morning. We haven't died somewhere in the stadium. Yeah, somewhere in the swamps of Jersey. Thanks, yeah. Bruce. But yeah, it's uh, Just Giants podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can stream us or download us. Um, all of our episodes are tweeted out on our account, Just Giants Pod. Um, they're all retweeted by. Myself and Cranky Fan, I'm at football underscore grump, where it'll come with some extra commentary and comedy. Well, if you want some real tragedy, you can follow me at the Cranky Fan, where I have my simultaneous tragedy of the Florida Gator football team and my New York football giants, where (laughs) one coach is down, one about to fall, and I've been reduced to having to hope that we hire Chip Kelly. So, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hilarity continues. That's it. That's it for us. Uh, maybe we'll pull out a squeaker on Sunday. Let's go, Giants. Go, Giants.